Get ready to find your name with Makoto Shinkai. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Otaku Movie Anatomy. Oh my god, are we shuffling? Yeah. yeah, I missed the memo. This hype music. <laughs> yeah. Are we dancing again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to Talking Movie Anatomy. And uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes. And hit the hit thumbs up on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Popcorn Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Maxwell Song. And with me is our usual guest. I'm Yumi Ninja. You can find me everywhere online at Yumi Ninja. And then we have a special guest, spectacular human being. Yeah. Doc, hello. Hi. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Where can they, where <laughs> you can, can they find you, Doc? You can find me on Twitter at the Doc 213 And I want to thank Red Wimps, who, who sings that song. I just wanted to say that because that's like a very interesting name. Red, uh, Red Wimps? The, Rad Wimps. Oh. <laughs> Rad Wimps for their their uh, spectacular J-pop action song uh, that they have for your name. Woo. That was a rad song. It was. Oh! Bunch of wimps. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about Your Name by Makoto Shinkai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been critically acclaimed in yep. the Japanese animation movie worlds. Uh, and it, rightly so. Oh, very, yes. very much so. Um, it's it's a beautiful movie. Uh, it has made nine hundred and thirty million when it in, in its opening weekend, I believe. Yeah. Which which was which is like Dollars. unheard of <laughs> in any sort of like Japanese movie. Uh, and now it has made one hundred and fifty eight million U.S. dollars. So it's uh, for a animated movie. It's definitely That's up big. there in terms of successes. I believe it is the number five most ranked uh, movies uh, movie. Wait, is the fourth? Okay, it's the fourth highest grossing movie <laughs> in Japan, uh, which is right, which has passed Ponyo and Avatar in Japan. Wow! And you got to understand, they love Avatar <laughs> yes, over there. They love Avatar. I'm just they- glad it passed Ponyo. Oh, I mean, like dis- I mean, it was such a disappointment. I mean, yeah, but it's a Ghibli movie, and it, uh, and that's a uh, what, what was that? We're all falling apart here. <laughs> We're gonna ignore it. Yeah, it, it, everything is what? breaking down. Nothing, don't don't look happened. don't look past the fire that's behind us and underneath us. Don't. There's nothing here. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? <clears throat> Of the movie? Yeah, I mean, just a, a general idea, like, what what you guys, what was the feeling that you got from it? Did you know anything about this movie before I you didn't. actually watched um, it? When you brought it up, I was like, what the hell is that? And then, actually, I remembered that I had seen, like, all these ads for it at uh, AX. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched it, I was like, I was pretty broken at the minute. I cried a lot watching this movie. It really beat all my expectations, considering we've had a string of really bad movies. Yes, I mean, we've just... <laughs> we had some pretty rough ones. I know, we had Godzilla. Oh, yeah, Godzilla was, was good. good. I didn't yeah. see that. Oh, oh that's yeah. right, you are in there that with was us. sick. Godzilla was, was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but we're not talking about Godzilla, even though Doc <laughs> is here again. Um, and, and we welcome you. We welcome you back. I don't know why you decided to come back again. I don't know, you know. if you're a masochist or something, but we appreciate <laughs> it. Well, you did promise me... A- Two thousand dollars. So, oh yeah. Oh oh, about oh. that. Uh, I only have that in Monopoly money. So I hope that's. 
Uh, right. No, I really liked it too. I, I I didn't hear I didn't know much about it. I hadn't heard about it, mm-hmm. but um, you sent me the link the other day, and I I watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, it's cool. That's kind of a unique take on like a traditional love story. Like this is gonna be kind of neat. And then mm-hmm. it went in a direction that I was not expecting at all, mm-hmm. and I thought it was amazing. So just a little uh, little factoids about this movie. Um, it was directed by Makoto Shinkai, and if you don't know what he does, he's best known for uh, five centimeters per second. And if you've seen that, it is just like heart wrenching youth drama about love, and it like it will devastate you if you've ever felt human emotions. Um, what are those? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I hear I hear they're dramatic. I don't know. Um, <laughs> He did Voice of a Distant Star, uh, The Place Promised in Our Early Days, and those were the first two that I've seen from him come out. And uh, I personally really loved Voice of a a Distant Star, excuse me, um, because it was about mechs. (laughs) Of course. That was my first introduction to him, so I thought, you know, like, he was just going to do mechs. But really, what he actually ended up doing was doing a lot of other movies about love. Most of his movies are about love. I um, have not seen any of these movies. They're all they're, double. They're, double that. They're excellent. Uh, wow. Uh, Garden of Words is, is kind of your typical drama. Um, Children Who Chase Lost Voices is very Miyazaki. It's like dead on Miyazaki movie. That sounds so familiar. What was that one? Um, when or what? When? When I a couple of years ago, like five ish years ago. Um, Oh, and and she and he recently just did something uh, called "She and Her Cat." Oh yeah, no, actually, and I've heard of you that. Remember, one. I'm sure people yeah. have seen that because it it was a very popular like short form anime, and it's also very excellent. Um, um and it's very sad. Oh, it's also very sad. So because I, I feel like the all, a lot of his movies are very sad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you talk about love, like, sadness is sort of going to be an inevitable thing. But yeah, like, I was reading something about this online, and then there was some review. I don't remember. But it was like, oh, this is, like, one of the great anime tragedies of, of our time. And they're like, it reminds me of, like, the sadness that you felt watching Grave of Firefly- Fireflies. And I was like, really? No. <laughs> no, like, no, no. I was no. like, Max, what did you make me watch? <laughs> no, no, that is a that is an exaggeration. There's nothing that's as sad as Grave of the Fireflies, except for like maybe Barefoot Gen or something. Um <laughs> But if you don't know what that is, it's a very brutal, like old school uh anime about World War Two and everything mm-hmm. being on fire. Uh anyway, let's get back to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um so the actors uh for Taki is Ryonosuke Ryonosuke Kamiki. Uh, if you don't remember him, I don't know why you wouldn't. He's Seijiro Seita from the Ryoni Kenshin live action. Oh. Which is oh. incredible. Which yes. is incredible. Which is yes. amazing. Uh, and Mitsuha is an actress by the name of uh, Masami Nagasawa. And I have no clue what she's in. She's in a bunch of stuff. I've never seen a single one of them. Yeah. I've never seen anything with her in it. Yeah. Uh, but those are the two main characters, Taki and Mitsuha. And it's going to be very important you remember their names because it's kind of what this whole thing is about. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. Like, someone start off the synopsis. Like, how, what, what, how does it feel to you? Like, well, this is you know. really real. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. <laughs> Because I feel like, okay, so when I looked at the trailer, I was like, oh, it's a love story. Then I watched it, and it's like, it's actually more of, like, kind of supernatural time travel yeah. included in it. So it's kind of like... It's like, uh, 
It's like sci-fi-ish? Yeah. Because basically it's it's this, how old is she? She's like a high school girl yeah. wakes up and like seems like something weird has happened the day before and she wasn't acting like herself and all of her friends are like, oh, you're acting weird. And then her yeah. and this guy, guy in Tokyo realize that they're switching bodies every other day, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And... I thought it was like once a week or something. It, it was a couple times a week. It wasn't. Yeah. There wasn't necessarily like a specific schedule. Like, to schedule it. or just how would happen randomly. And so then they would have to like deal with uh, basically living each other's lives for a little while. Um, and as they do live each other's lives, they start to. In the beginning, it like sets everything up between Mitsuha and you don't really see Taki. Taki's more yeah. towards the second end of the first act. Um, but Mitsuha is the main character. Uh, she is. From uh, the countryside, and uh, what is, is what it? Is Iwamori? The name? Iwamori. Itomori. Itomori, yeah. And it's a it's a very small like a shrine town, and yeah. they basically live around a giant lake, the giant crater. Crater lake, lake yeah. Uh, because it was made by a crater, um, and she is a Shinto priestess. She's one of the yes. Shinto priestesses, and her family would run runs like one of the biggest uh, Shinto priests stuff ever and of course because she has to be one she's kind of like ostracized by the mm-hmm. other kids because they're like oh yeah you know they already live in the countryside and they're already bored yeah. and so it's a sort of the like now you're so in the boonies you're the most boonie of the booniest of the people and so she hates that and she and she wishes that hopefully one day she'll be able to become a a uh, uh what is that called a a Ikemen from Tokyo. Yeah, a good-looking boy in Tokyo. Tokyo, yeah. And uh, then you start off with Taki. Well, and... she, one more thing about her. that it, She kind of had the worst end of both spectrums um, because yeah. her right. father was also, also like the mayor, the mayor yeah. which she he was just constantly on her about like looking good for his kind of yeah. benefit. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was not happy where she was. No, she, she was having a very dramatic childhood. Uh, yeah. And and then so she wakes up one day as Taki, um, and Taki is a normal Tokyo boy uh, who wants to become an architect. He has a quick temper; he's always getting into fights. Um, but he has a, a nice group of friends, and like he works at this Italian restaurant. And there's a senpai that he's crushing on. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, this is Mitsuha, and so Mitsuha is living through Taki's life at in Tokyo, mm-hmm. kind of being able to experience everything. Uh, and then as they wake up, they start to see that, like, oh, people are noticing that they've been acting super, super weird. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they they obviously change characters completely because one is a girl and one is a boy. And yeah. so, you know, those traits kind of, like, switch over. And they kind of uh, affect their lives for the better because they kind of fill in a void that they both were kind of missing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Taki being, like, a super gruff, like, quick-tempered kid obviously yeah. and you know uh mitsua being sort of a i guess social outcast, social outcast yeah. but also very like uh, what's the word i'm like it's kind of a wimp you know she yeah uh she doesn't stand up for herself very much yeah. um and so they kind of like filled in each other uh for that and and eventually they just kind of formed this connection be- through this diary that they have on their cell phones yeah um and that's how the first first act starts um, but then it like kind of changes into this sort of like sci-fi supernatural yeah. portion. Because I mean, I mean, there was like this supernatural element of them waking up in each other's body, body but then like yeah. it basically shifts when 
you see that Taki is like trying to like get into contact with her and meet up. Yeah. Um, and that's that's obviously because like uh, so Mitsuha sets up a date uh, with Taki and and her senpai, and you know she wanted to. She basically set up this date, but you know they at this point they had both had kind of like fallen in love with each other, and so yeah. uh, they, so they they're like it, this date just goes disastrously wrong. Yeah, and they're trying to like at that point like talk is like oh I got to meet this girl, and Mitsuo's like oh I got to meet this boy, um, and then and then what happens is one day uh, Taki is in Mitsuo's body, and they start they go into this shrine. Basically, and they kind of explain um, the the god of this area. Yeah. Uh, the 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 thing that they're worshiping as Shinto priests, and this god is sort of this god of the threat, god of like time. And it was, and it's kind of like this tree that was in the middle of the crater, created by a meter that that appeared like hundreds and hundreds yeah. and thousands of years yeah. ago. Because they don't really address like nobody really knows yeah nobody knows like what the god does but they know that it has something to do with the uh, destiny and time and mm-hmm. and oh another thing about these shinto priests is like their whole thing is based on braided cord uh it's like the braided cord that you see in shinto um uh, ceremonies where they kind of wrap the tree for mm-hmm. to like give prosperity to the gods and protect yeah. it from evil and stuff um and so they're they kind of like throw in this theme of these cords basically embrace uh, time like th- mm-hmm. this is your you're basically braiding life into uh, your own timeline with this and so uh, that's when the supernatural element kind of appears so and one thing that I got from the court like from the braided cord and mm-hmm. a lot of this a lot of the uh, scenes in the movie he has a the the shots of the movie were very um, they had a lot of linear like straight mm-hmm. um, lines like roads and uh the comet trails mm-hmm. yeah uh like the train tracks and everything they really focused a lot on straight lines that indicated movement oh. and i thought it was really unique that with all of those like kind of taking you somewhere it showed that the braided straight lines like interweaving the yeah. different like moments in time and, and yeah i don't know and i just thought can, it was no, really unique uh, no that's that's a very great point because uh the thing about Makoto Shinkai's movies is like he has these very meticulous environments. Um, they're mostly, I would, if there was a way to describe it, they're basically photoreal, photoreal illustrations of those places as yeah. as much as you can do with like um, any sort of animation. And he has done this basically throughout most of his movies. That is his particular style. And he, the way that he uses light is also very much in sort of that dramatic, like, J.J. Abrams type of way. He has a lot of, like, lens flares, a lot of, like, very harsh <laughs> reflections. There's a, there's a huge contrast. Yeah. Oh, something is always glowing, yeah. you know? Um, but a, as you're saying, like, his visual language is, is superb. Yeah. So any time you'll see it, that there is a lot of, like, they'll show, like, these train lines. And these train lines will always intersect, or yeah. any of these roads, they all always intersect, and you always see that. You always see mm-hmm. the intersections of these straight yeah. lines. Because I feel like it's a lot of symbolism. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of straight lines, but like everything, like the cord, is interweaving, and it's. I feel like it was symbolism, as in like um, it was in reference to the the paths crossing between these two kids. Yeah. And how like they're switching but coming back together, and how like each of them are changing each other's lives, and ultimately like Taki changing 
Mitsuha's. Yeah. yeah. It was even in the like the movie poster, the two comet trails. Yeah, the trails. Yeah, yeah, coming like together. Crossing, crossing past each other. I thought um, it was really, and, really cool. And even the fact that like when the comets like split apart, it's sort of like, hey, these are the divergent paths. And so this is kind of spoiler spoiler territory, so we're going to start talking about the actual, yeah, so the other acts. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, I, I would say even if we do spoil the story for you, you should still watch it. Yeah. Yes. But also, I feel like this is definitely one of those movies that you should watch for yourself mm-hmm. uh i believe that funimation did license this so we should be seeing a movie version of this relatively soon um uh, don't ask us how the hell we saw it because we don't know um <laughs> it was through legal means yes very very super legal means do not do not look at us <laughs> yes. directly in the eye please um okay so at that point um they're trying to contact each other things aren't working mm-hmm. Um, and after this one day, after the date, Taki and Mitsuha don't switch anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not able to switch at all. Um, and so, obviously, because this is one of those situations where it's anime and it wouldn't, the story wouldn't progress, but also if you were in Taki's situation, you'd be like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, like, what you, happened? You yeah. want to know at that point, yeah. you know, even if it is just sort of this weird freak accident. Um, and you kind of see that uh, from Mitsuha's perspective... Or well, no. You see, from Taki's perspective, as he's trying to go and try to find Mitsuha, because because nothing is working. Email doesn't yeah. work. The phones don't work. And you're like, oh, why is that not working? Because actually, that was the first question that I had. Is like, why don't you just call call each, each other? other? Yeah. And but then you, uh, that's actually up. They thought about that, yeah. which I thought was crazy. I, was, I thought it was really well put together. Because I mean, it's it's like a little moments where like after this disastrous date with his senpai. He's kind of like reading the journal that mm-hmm. like she's left for him. He's like, "Oh, I'm really excited about seeing the comets tonight and whatever." And he's kind of like, "Huh, like that's weird." Like, yeah. it, like it seems like he's like, "What comets?" And then he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna try call her." And then nothing works. Yeah, and and so he tries to find uh, this town. Um, as but as he as like time passes on, he starts to like all the people around him start to kind of forget everything about the fact that he was Mitsuha mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but also, he starts forgetting who Mitsuha is. Like, she, yeah. he can't, like, understand. He knows he, he's looking for someone. He can't can't remember her name. Uh, but he remembers this town that he drew. Yeah. And he, 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 like, sees these scenes and he's like, oh, this is really nostalgic and feels really important. So he has to go out and try to find this girl. Um, and in the beginning, obviously, uh, his senpai comes over and, you know, another one of his friends come and, like, try to find this place with him. And the whole thing is like they're just messing with them at this point they're just like oh yeah, yeah you're you're probably getting catfished you know but yeah, like it's true yeah by some like 40 year old man or whatever and he's like no this is like super important like he feels he can't remember exactly what happens when they switch to uh yeah. that's another thing that they kind of established in the first act that it's like every time they wake up the reason that they're like oh this was a dream is because to them all of those memories feel like a dream the only evidence that they've ever had was the journal entries that they've been writing in mm-hmm. each other's phones and like the drawings and stuff yeah and then like they're writing each other's like names on their hands like yeah like um like in the first shot where Basically, Taki in Mitsuha's body writes, like, who are you? Who are you, yeah. And then they start writing their names and questions on themselves and then eventually into journals and books. Yeah. Um, but it when he goes on this journey, he's kind of just looking for this place. And it's just, I think the scenery is really good because it's kind of up and down, like, the Japanese countryside. Yeah. Um, and then they end up running into, that, like, the old man who's like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a drawing of, um, what is it called? Itomori. Uh, Itomori, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and he's like, oh, 
and they're like, oh, you know where Mori is? And he's like, well, it hasn't been there for a while. And yeah, they're for like, like three what years. You, for three years. Yeah. And it's like, what are you talking about? And so they drive over, and basically, uh, you know, the scenery that he's seen basically all the time for the past, like, couple of weeks or the yeah. month or whatever, he, like, looks and he's like, oh, this is the place. And then he goes over uh, and he sees that the whole town has been completely cratered. Yeah. Um, and then that's when you switch to kind of like Mitsuha's uh, version as you see Taki researching what happened to this town. And Mitsuha, uh, you realize that she she's at this festival and, you know, she went to go try to find Taki and she couldn't find him or something. And she just you just see her being very bummed. So, like, you don't know why she's kind of bummed. But yeah. she cuts her hair and, you know, then she goes through uh, to see this comment because that's, you know, that's a hype thing to do that yeah. day. Um, well, they hadn't seen, there wasn't a comment in, like, hundreds of years yeah so yeah and so cool. basically what you get the gist of is you like at first they only show you i think it was very smart in the way they did they only show you bits of information and yeah. you kind of have to build it out on yourself you, what you see is uh Mitsuha seeing this comet seeing it split and then you know that that is the point where everybody dies in the town yeah. and then they go back and show you that she had gone to tokyo and met with and saw taki and kind of they reference it in the beginning where she kind of says my name is Mitsuha," you know yeah like, yeah and he doesn't recognize her, and she doesn't understand why. Right. And then that's when, uh, so after that, Taki basically goes back, and uh, he tries to find the same shrine that he went to when he was Mitsuha. And he drinks, he goes over, he finds a shrine, and he, like, drinks this thing. Her spit. Her, her spit. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay, which, <laughs> so. uh, the thing in the beginning is the. Her Shinto, one of her Shinto traditions is that what they do is they chew up this rice yeah. and they spit it into a cup. And then so it's like a way of making like it's I think it's one of the oldest traditions of making sake and it's like sake that you give to the gods. But you chew up the rice and mix with your spit, you put it into like this thing where it ferments and becomes sake. Yeah. And mm. Mm, delicious. <laughs> delicious. And so that's what, do you what he thinks in our mugs right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I spit in your cup for sure, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Yeah. Delicious. Drinking the, the drink of the gods. Yeah, now now we're all bonded together. Uh, and so he, he drinks Mitsuha's spit sake. <laughs> uh, it's, trust, it's like, it seems silly, and I was just like, ew, yeah. when I saw it. But, you know, it's like kind of romantic because it's like supposed to be like their kiss yeah, or they're whatever. Yeah, their indirect um, kiss. Yeah. And so they, uh, he kind of like goes back and he possesses Mitsuha's body again. Well, it was like the shrine was... It, oh, was, yeah. at, it was at that point. Um, up until then, I thought it was like alternate dimensions yeah, or yeah. something yeah. like that. But then when you know when she had gone back to Tokyo and saw him and they didn't know each other, and yeah. then it was kind of at that point I realized it was the same dimension, just different timelines. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that, It was like three years yeah. before. And the, uh, the shrine was like the, the meeting point mm-hmm. of the timelines. Yeah, yeah. And so, that, so like drinking it, he was able to finally like Meet up with Meet the up, right yeah. timeline. And, and the to that fact, then this comes like this really beautiful sequence of like him basically traveling through uh, uh, Mitsuha's timeline. Mm-hmm. Like you see her whole life, basically, yeah. you know, from like what made her the way that she was, what made her dad like estranged from Shintoism, uh, you know, uh, what what she basically wanted up to that point that she met Taki. And so you see that like in a weird way, like Taki has saved Mitsuha in, yeah. you know, yeah. like from boredom, basically from, you know. From the life that she was like obviously not happy with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and obviously like basically ties the bond together even more. Um, another thing that 
they kind of like show but they don't really mention is like he has like this braided cord that he wears for good luck. Yeah. He doesn't know why he wears it. He just and he doesn't has know it. where it, he got he, it from. He got it from. Yeah. And then you you see that like as he goes back in time 3 years ago uh that Mitsuha did go over to see Taki and he she does see Taki. Mm-hmm. But because it was 3 years ago, she doesn't he doesn't recognize her at all. And even though they're like even though you know like Mitsuha knows all this stuff about Taki, like, Taki has no recollection. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end, she kind of, like, she, she's, like, Taki's still interested for some reason. It's kind of, like, this whole idea of destiny. Like, yeah, of destiny. This sort of, he like, has this... this feeling of, like, oh, I should ask her name because yeah. this person's going to be important to me. Yeah, exactly. And, and she, in the beginning, he's like, oh, this girl's super weird right now because she's just basically, like, up in his face, just kind of, like, breathing in his direction. <laughs> and then she just, like, says his name and he's kind of, like, whoa, like, how do you know me? Which, I mean, if you don't understand it from, like, a Japanese, like, social aspect, like, that amount of, like, um, she, cause she doesn't say his last name, which means that she's familiar with him. Yeah. So, like, it would be weird. Like, you, like, we just don't call each other. Like, I don't say, like, Max. I would be like, whatever your last name is. Song? <laughs> yes. You don't know my last Mr. name? You I'd be like, Mr. Song. <laughs> it's Salts. It's Salts. Yeah, Salts. Hello, Mr. Salts. Salts. That's me. So it'd be weird if we didn't know each other and I said... Max, and, and I should be calling him Mr. Salt. You should be calling me Salt-san. Yeah, Salt-san. <laughs> um, I love that name, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty dope. Are you going to change your online handle to Salt-san now? Yeah, Salt-san now. That's your new name. Salt-samas. Um, so at that point, you know, you realize that this is, you know, it's like half religion, half time travel. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to leave the conclusion, but... Uh, only because, like, I really do want people to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I've basically sort of, like, what did your pal? And you're probably thinking, like, what happens to them? Yeah, I mean, like, clearly, is it a happy ending or a sad ending? It could really be both. Yeah. Um, but I believe that you would very much enjoy this movie. Uh, so definitely watch it. Yes. Um, but, yeah, that's basically the synopsis. And now we're going to kind of, like, go. We're just going to talk about, themes. you know. It's themes. What do you think themes. its themes are? I mean, well, there's like what, what always. What did you get from it, Doc? Um, well, one of, not so much about the theme, but one of the things that always, uh, it, it, I always find these movies is kind of odd. Is we get so invested in this love mm-hmm. story, right? Yeah. And it's like it's like this perfect, uh, not perfect, but you you just are rooting for them to fall in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you take a step back and realize like they're fucking teenagers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even if they do meet each other, like that's not gonna last. And. and it's like this yeah. jaded part of me that like I like so that's dark. totally <laughs> But no, I I totally understand. But that's why I like this because it cuz in a weird way it still examines like a lot of different relationships cuz mm-hmm. you're right when when uh the senpai and uh when Taki like when they kind of get together on the date like it doesn't work out. Like you know, yeah. she Mitsuo even has, recognizes that he's like she's like dude, you're yeah, yeah, you're, you're totally like not in love into with somebody else. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, he was like, "Oh no, I was like totally into you before." Like, you know, I don't even really. And that, to me, is very much more like, "Oh, it is about the destiny of it." Because yeah. now that their fates are sort of intertwined, like they have to sort of, or, or you know, it's sort of like, "Hey, true love or star-crossed lovers." You know, those beautiful old school, <laughs> totally for unjaded people, <laughs> unrealistic, unrealistic <laughs> love stories, which, which you know, like. I get it, unrealistic, but I really love how uh, Shinkai has done that, you know, because most yeah. of the time it's fucking cheesy. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like they did a really good job in not discussing, I mean, this is like a re- recurring 
trope in anime where everybody's like, oh, the red thread of destiny. Yeah. That braided cord is red. Yes. And so you know they're going to end up together. It's like something they don't even talk about. You watch anime, you know. You know. You just you know. know it. But like, I liked that this kind of like, even the way that things they consistently try to paint this imagery of like these two, these two people's lives are entwined like the, that red thread of destiny mm-hmm. and they're going to end up together. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how they, like you were saying, I, I liked how they didn't treat the audience as stupid. Yeah. You know, they yeah. didn't, so much of, so much of anime is just yeah. over explaining the situation. Wait, exposition you don't remember what happened yeah. last time? Exposition. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's always uh, the little thinking in their head where it's like, and this is the time travel powers, and it must be the gods that are, like, into yeah. Like, if they had that part, it would have been really dumb. Because, I mean, yeah. it's funny because, like, even, maybe it's just I've, I've watched too much anime, which it's even when they when they show that cord, and even in the animation sequence, at no point is that thread tied to their pinkies. It's always, like, a pinky on the one person, yeah. and then, like, somebody else is holding it, and I'm just like, oh, please. Don't Please do don't that. do this. But it was definitely more like, hey, it, it was the way that they like played off as it's like a lifeline. Yeah, a lifeline, and they're always like grabbing for it, you know, or it's like, um, or it's on her head, which or it, like she ties her, her hair, hair. She ties yeah. in her hair, yeah. which which is important to her because it like she also constantly braids her hair as well, um, and I think it's sort of all it's all part of it, and it's like the little yeah, nuances. It thing. is, um, and I would have to say. Uh, Seeing how you guys don't know a lot about Shinkai films, so I'm just going to like do yeah. a really quick rundown. Learn so, us a little. So most Shinkai films have that same sort of color palette where it's very, it's, it's very neon. Like it's, everything oh, okay. is kind of like really glowy bright, and you can tell that. And it gives it that super photo real look. Like if you, um, like you see how, you see that like very crazy contrast. Yeah. Like things that are hit by light are always super bright. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that from sort of the, his most famous one where he really started doing that was uh, the five centimeters per second, which is supposed to be the way that they explain it is that is the rate at which Sakura fall from the tree. It's very dramatic. But uh, his color palette for that is basically you can you see one like Sakura blossom come out and it's like wet and you just see the light hit it and it's like pink and glowing. Oh, yeah. uh, and so he has like these he has a very particular look for his his light um his animation he also does this thing where he focuses like on little bits of animation and if you guys didn't i don't know if you guys know this but because i'm uh like crazy um that he the what the way that they like did the kanji animation is like you can see the the meticulous amount of like actual animation when she's writing the kanji because like usually it would be like this you know, yeah. and that would and that's normal and that's normal animation. But it's like those little nuances of like things that people don't necessarily notice, but like if you delve deep, you will. Also, like the chewing, and the spitting, the chewing, the spitting. I yeah. thought was really good animation. Yeah. I will mention, however, I do like that he put both of them in the main character seat in the classroom. Yes. Second, second row from the back, right by the window. Yeah, just enough foreground, <laughs> but just enough background yeah. to where he's like contrasted. So, you don't know. That's the main character seat. That is a as a a plus camera camera position composition yeah. position. Um, so <laughs> he funny. Yeah, he has a lot of uh, 3D integration. Like, there's a lot of bits in this movie that are 3D. Like, when sh- they're doing the Shinto dancing, that's 3D. Yeah, see. You can kind of tell. I feel like I couldn't tell it on. I've seen some, like, really, like, how we were talking about Berserk. Uh-huh. And then, like, we've had this discussion about Love Live, where, like, when they do love or CG 
like cell animated 3D or whatever. Yeah. It's like they look like weird dolls and they have like no life in their eyes. I didn't actually realize there was any 3D in this. I couldn't tell. Yeah. And it always seems like it, it's everything sped up a little mm-hmm. in the 3D. Yeah. Like anytime they do like any sort of like flying, flying scenes or anything, it just seems like everything's going just a little too fast. It's yeah. Like, kind of just takes you out of it. But yeah. I, not I couldn't at all tell. In this one. It's, it's, it's very little, but there's like more visual effects. The thing is, the way that he colors everything, it hides a bunch of that. Oh. Um, but uh, he likes to integrate at least a little bit of it. Um, and I, f- I feel like in the industry, he does it kind of the best. Um, yeah, because I feel like I would, I would have to agree. Like I think this is the best version yeah. of that kind of style that I've seen. Because like I think everybody who's tried to do that 3D really falls flat. It is sped up. Everybody looks kind of fake and like weird, yeah, yeah. and like it's, it falls in that like uncanny valley of like it. Yes, it looks like what it's supposed to look like but then there's just something that's off about it and it's like unsettling yeah, yeah. It, it's like that's like they just it's not as detailed either like yeah. you go from this you go from this gorgeous world that was like painted with watercolors and just very like vibrant and whatnot and then you just go to this super sped up very like floaty yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a, it's, it's like a marshmallow it's human like, yeah. it's, it goes to like beautiful painting to clip art like, yeah <laughs> it's like so weird yeah. Uh, and luckily, uh, he most of his movies. I would have to say his first movie, which is Voices of a Distant Star, which is uh, ha- is what like I said about mechs. It has heavy 3D in that, and the mechs are like eh. The 3D back in the day wasn't that super great anyway. Yeah. But I mean, still, it's still one of the best. I would have to say. Um, but speaking of that particular movie, because that was the first movie that I saw, he has this kind of theme of lost love, like every lost love and time. He, I would have to say, he's less fantasy and more sci-fi. There's always a sci-fi element to it, like time travel or uh, like Voice of a Distant Star. It was basically about her trying to send messages and the amount of time that it actually takes when you're in space, mm-hmm. like when you're light years away and how long. So she's writing these messages so that he can get them 20 years later. Yeah. So it's like, it's stuff That's like that. That's a crazy concept. That yeah. is a, it, it, the really... way that he does it is like, it's like mind-blowing and, and it's just. To be fair. I'm just going to say this. It's kind of stolen from Star Trek. <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess. Because, I mean, I mean, I mean, to be fair, like, scientifically speaking, that's how it would be. I mean, it's right. how we get pictures back from, like, Jupiter and stuff like that. Right, it right. takes much longer. So it's like, it's, a, it, it's something that I wouldn't have thought of immediately watching this movie. But when they did it, and I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, when I, when I watched this movie, I immediately thought of that Keanu Reeves movie, Lake House. Yes, me too. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, it's kind of like Lake House. It's also like Freaky Friday. If you put Lake it House and Freaky like Friday Freaky together, Friday. It is. It's, you kind of get like the same concept. Um, yeah, I had no idea it was going to be as like emotional as it was. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be more like Freaky Friday funny, haha. you know, like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. It's, it's like a yeah. Seishun youth kind of thing, but then I was like, oh, well, this the, got really the, deep. The first scene is is this. Yeah. yeah. This feels really real. <laughs> There's this there's this funny beautiful scene where she like uh, Taki ends up inhabiting Mitsuwa's body again. Yeah, and like she's so his his thing is like every time he like becomes her, he like kind of grabs her boobs because adolescence. Yeah, let's let's be honest, we would all do it. Yeah, I'm, I would do it. I now. would absolutely <laughs> do it. I think it's funny because they only address like so. Mitsuha, when she becomes Taki, she only does it once. She's yeah. kind of like, oh my god, and she touches her her thing, her <laughs> donger, and she's just like, whoa, it's really there. Yeah. But like every single time Taki wakes up in her body, he's just like, and then like the little sister comes in and just like, you're holding your boobs again. Yeah. What is this? Why are you, why are you doing Ooh. that? 
And and so like what happens is she he inhabits the body before the meteor hits, uh, and and like he's like crying and shaking them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it just it's like the funniest scene. <laughs> yeah. so um, it, it it seems like super inappropriate, but it's just like that it, that build up that payoff for like just putting those little nuances yeah. and then making it like this really funny like. Uh, because he does it more than once. Because there's a point where he's like talking to the family member. He's just kind of like sitting there, like juggling the boobs. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's such a good punchline. Like yeah. it's, it's a pretty real reaction. Yeah. Because like, if you were, because exactly I mean, I feel they're happen. like what fifteen, kind of like yeah, they're, they're like they're first six, or second years. No, well, they're sixteen, I think. Because uh, when we go, it's like five years in the future, and they've graduated already. Yeah, so. he graduated and was uh, looking for a job. Job, yeah, and that's so. But I'm I don't know if that was like straight out of college, so they could have just been like juniors in high school. Yeah, so like second year. Yeah. So they're like sixteen ish. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like yeah. if you were a sixteen year old boy and woke up in a girl's body and had boobs, you'd touch him. Oh hell yes, I would. <laughs> I wouldn't leave the room for. I mean, a while. It, it, you just you would be like, what are, what is this like? Um, yeah, I feel like. <laughs> What Why if, do you keep destroying that was, everything? That time that was you. Oh that was my me. god. That time that, no, that was Max. I didn't no, do anything. Do you, ignore the smoke. <laughs> ignore the smoke. Um, okay, so there, seeing how you guys have seen, I hope you've seen Boy and the Beast, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. You saw Boy and the Beast. Have you seen Girl That's Left Through Time? Yes. Yep. Okay, so you have seen all of uh, Hosada's works. So. Hosada is another one of the candidates. I want to. I want to say the candidacy to be the new Miyazaki mm-hmm. Miyazaki Sama uh, crown. Uh, so it's anime re- was a mistake. Yeah, anime <laughs> was a mistake. Uh, she never said that, by the way. Um, Hosada. So it's Hosada versus Shinkai. Now that you've, I know you guys haven't seen a lot of the Shinkai movies, but you've seen this one. And so with this, with this kind of like most recent ones, what would you say is the crown runner? Like, who seems okay. more like Miyazaki? So, more? to me, just personally, I feel like Makoto Shinkai should be the front runner just because his storytelling is not riddled with the tropes and failings that Mam- Mamoru Hosada does. Because, I mean, I've seen Hosada stuff, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, like, pretty, but there's just, it falls so heavily on these, like, anime tropes that I think yeah. weakens it. Uh, yeah, I... I... I would say I would say visually and plot wise, uh, I would say Hosada is a, more in line. But as far as the storytelling goes mm-hmm. and how much you can get, I don't know. Like there's something about Miyazaki stories that you just get so enveloped in them, and yeah. you it doesn't matter how unrealistic the world is, you connect with characters really well. Yeah. And I felt like I connected more with these characters than I have with um, Hosada's uh, with Boy and the Beast and. Uh, I'm trying to bl- Wolf Children? Uh, is that the one where they're like in the digital world? Oh, uh, Summer Wars. Yes, Summer Wars. Summer Wars. Yeah. I, I loved the movie. The concept was amazing, but the character, like the characterization, the yeah. Because just... I, I feel like when we watch like Wolf Children and then like Summer Wars and like a couple of other ones, and even Boy the Beast, I feel like the the drawing is there. Like it's obvious he's referencing it, you yeah. know. And like, but I don't feel an emotional connection. And like. With this movie, like, I felt very connected to the characters, yeah. and I cried. And, like, right. every single time, like, even when we were watching Wolf Children, I was like, uh, and again, we talked about it with Michelle, and she's like, oh, I cried. And I was like, I felt nothing. I felt like she was an irresponsible mother, and she just let her children <laughs> run away. And yeah. I was like, I, I just didn't, I couldn't connect to it. I would it's say, true. I would say my favorite of his would be Boy and the Beast. Um, I thought it was, I connected the most with that. Um, 
but still, like this being my only one that I've seen, I've, and I forget his uh, Shinkai. Yeah. Shinkai, I, I, my only one that I've seen of his, and I felt a deeper connection there, and I liked the way the story was told. Yeah, I feel well, like his uniqueness is more prominent. Uh, I I have to agree, and I feel like if if we're gonna break down Miyazaki movies, there's like very specific things about Miyazaki movies. One, they're it's, good. They're visuals. Well, yeah. um, yes. They're good. Okay. By the way, the four movies that have like basically made the most money, like box office of all time, is all Ghibli. They're all, all Ghibli, Ghibli movies. movies. It's Castle. It's Howl. Uh, it's Castle. Uh, Howl. Uh, Mononoke Spirited. Those are the four. Yeah. Um, and so, like, clearly. Uh, when he was when Shinkai was compared to Miyazaki, he said that it was a overestimation of his skill, and you kind of like you see it because yeah. he's not quite there yet. Um, but the thing about Miyazaki movies is it has the very it has the visualization. Mm-hmm. It kind of has like a very distinct style, um, but also just like the level of artistry that's in the background, mm-hmm. I feel like is super important. Um, and I feel like Hosada doesn't quite have that yet. Yeah. He- I feel like he's kind of like, you know, when you look at somebody who's like an apprenticeship, like it seems like a yeah. copy of the master, but it's kind of a weaker version of it. That's yeah, how yeah. I see Hosada. Like Boy and the Beast, I feel like okay, if we're only comparing Boy and the Beast and this movie, because you know this these those two movies are their most recent movies, mm-hmm. right? So this is basically after you know experimenting with their craft, they kind of like have gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Boy and the Beast is definitely more along the fantasy element of Miyazaki. The things that made Miyazaki films, like, kind of Miyazaki films. You know, Spirit Away will always be his number one, you know, mm-hmm. because of the idea of that it is fantasy. All of his fantasy movies do a little bit better than, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service or, you know, uh, A Poppy Hill. Yeah. Because those, even, those are still very much grounded in reality as yeah. opposed to it being, like, this fantastical element. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Hosada definitely has that going for him. Because if you're looking at fantasy stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I like that world quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the way that it's integrated into it as the way that it, the story is revealed, I feel like it was very, like, very chunky. Yeah. You know, comparatively. Just... And this movie was just, it was silk. Yeah. It was silk in. Oh, you know, this just... movie was, like, almost two hours. Right? Yeah. It was, it, no, this movie is actually an hour and 45 minutes, yeah. which is, like, I think 15 minutes. 15 minutes uh, less than Boy and the Beast. So there was a little bit more yeah, of Boy and the I Beast. Felt like and this there movie... was a substantial credit reel on that one. On yeah. This movie. Yes. It was... It was it was, it was large long. and in charge. Yeah. Because I, I, I checked mean, the time of the movie and I'm like, oh wow, there's still a lot left. Like, where are they going to go with this? And then the credits, credits started yeah. rolling. I was like, because I feel oh. like that this movie, like the pacing was really good. Even yeah. when they cut from like it, the reveal to like the different timelines, I felt like it the transition of it it built you up and it had set you up with all these small little details that it paid off. Yeah. And I feel like Hosada just it doesn't do that. It like it pivots and you're just kind of like, oh, I guess I guess this is yeah. happening now. It's like it's like. Me, Hosada, I feel like is very much like if you got a his Miyazaki's most famous movies and then you watered it down. Yeah, like that's what it ta- that's what it feels like. Uh, I would say Shinkai, like he does the things that make Miyazaki movies like really great. Like he has really good food animation. He he has little details of animation. You know, like whenever you see something scurrying, it's never half-assed. Like yeah. all the anima- animation, even though. We would never necessarily register it. It is all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like in a weird way, like Shinkai does something that Miyazaki doesn't, which is kind of bring modernism yeah. into his works, which I don't say I don't think that it's necessary for him to do, but there's something about like Shinkai's movies that are just like you look at it and you're just like visually stunned. 
stunned. Yeah. Like stunned every time. And it, it kind of, that's, Miyazaki movies kind of felt like that. Uh, and unfortunately, it's gotten a little bit less yeah. because it's like, you know, he has a, his style is very like chunky, mm-hmm. but uh, Shinkai's is very much meticulous. Yeah. It, it is it is basically like a lot of science, like for him. Um, but anyway, so I I guess the winner is Shinkai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right now, he's basically the forerunner. Um, obviously, his box office success, success is also a very much indicator of the fact that, you know, he's he's going to be like, give him... Give him like more money and give him a little in like two years, and he will come out with something that is just as good as a Miyazaki movie, yeah. if not better. But that I think that I think that's kind of honestly, I think that's kind of unfair sure. to a lot of people. Like that kind of expectation put on somebody, not only does it like stifle their creativity. Mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can give them encouragement to get better and everything, but I feel like when you put this sort of you put a box around them, and yeah. not only does it like hinder them. But I feel it also, like, once you start saying, oh, he's on his way to be the next Miyazaki, you're also setting up the audience for failure. Yeah. Because so much of Miyazaki is nostalgic, and so much of that, those feelings that you get, granted, the movies are great, and, and I still watch them, and I can show them to new, pe- like, to new people for the first time, and they really enjoy them. But when I watch them, I have, like, a sense of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, like, what we were talking about earlier. Like, I got into anime in a very unique way with Dragon Ball Z and Miyazaki movies before I even knew what anime was. So those kind of feelings were like really strong for me. But when you put that on somebody, you're like, you're forcing the audience to like look at these movies through a certain filter. Yeah, because it sets this expectation of of Shinkai like as if he is going to be Miyazaki. But I think Shinkai works and I think why I think he's the forerunner of like to inherit that name is that because he he's similar but very different and distinct in his own way. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he brings uniqueness, which mm-hmm. is what Miyazaki did to to Ghibli. Yeah. So the the question is, uh, what was your favorite parts though? Doc, you start. I, I I'm kind of a I'm a big Spielberg fan, so I take notice of skies a sure. lot. Yeah. And as you had said, the lighting is very unique and he mm-hmm. puts a very big emphasis on what he feels is important in that scene. Yeah. And Purples and pinks. Yeah. And and the art the art just in general for me was probably my favorite thing. It was very easy to get lost in it. But the sky scene, like any scene that focused on the skies, whether it yeah. had the meteor meteor trail or not, like it was really prominent and it was really I was really impressed. So, yeah. Like similar to to Doc, I think like it's not just like one specific part. It's like the way he drew Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever been, the way he drew it, the coloring and what he chose to focus on is very much from a young person's perspective. Yeah. Like the cafes, the the fun building, like the use of usefulness of it mm-hmm. is like if you're going as a tourist or you're, if you're somebody who's into anime, this is how you are going to see Tokyo. Yeah, definitely. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking, like, because they, they have this whole thing about cat face. Cat face for them is sort of Shinkai's way of being like, this is what modernism looks like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and it, was, it was just funny. But that's that's basically yeah. what, what high schoolers do. Like, they go, go find, like, interesting cafes and, mm-hmm. like, eat cakes and stuff. And that's a trope that has been done to death. But, you know, like, uh, but it's definitely, like, that level of detail where you're like, oh, he's just going to use one device. And that device is going to be the thing that kind of, like, Shows all these very hard to explain things. How do you explain you? You know, how do yeah. you explain Tokyo? Yeah. You know, you just do the things they that kids you think would love. Yeah, basically. 
Um, I would have to say my favorite part, and I'm going to keep this short, because we've been talking about this movie a very long time, um, <laughs> is basically when they meet for the first time, and it's on this on, on the mountain, and it's just, oh, yeah. it's, there's nothing to that scene except for sky and colors. And what happens is that it goes into twilight, uh, and so you see the colors go from this orange-yellow to uh, pink and purple, mm-hmm. and then there's this devastating scene where he's just like, hey, I, I'm going to uh, write, write your name on mm-hmm. my hand so I don't forget. And you, it's so dramatic. There's this beautiful music playing mm-hmm. in the background. The wind's blowing. The, the light is just hitting them in like the most beautiful way. And then it just cuts, and the, the marker drops. Yeah. And that's how it ends. The music stops instantaneously, and it's like, you're like, oh, oh, my God. Like, that cut, that yeah. one cut was, like, the most devastating thing in the whole movie. And that is... Like, that goes to show you the power of, like, of editing and cinematography and composition. And that is what can, that makes, like, anime elevated into an art form. Yeah. And I thought that, that, this whole movie basically is. But mm-hmm. that scene was like, damn, you got it. Like, yeah. that's what it is. That's true. Uh, so, we're going to rate it real quick. Right, to the lions. To the lions. I think we know what the answer is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely watch it. I think it's uh, definitely worth watching. Yeah, the reviews, if you ever see any reviews, uh the numbers speak for themselves. And <laughs> if you'd miss this movie, you're missing a, a damn good movie and mm-hmm. I would have to say it's going to definitely be more in the forefront of anime, especially seeing how it's becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh so definitely don't miss it. And uh what are we doing next week? Next week we're doing one of the Dragon Ball movies. Dragon <laughs> Ball <laughs> Doc's going to be back next week Res- as well. Resurrection F. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Resurrection F. So uh, make sure to check it out next week. Same time, same place, same guy. Same Same guy. All right, see you next week. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Spitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.